Hey everyone, what's up? It's your girl Nakia and welcome to the Fearless Kia Podcast. everyone what's up it's your girl fearless kia welcome to another fearless friday so this week's devotional is going to be read by our guest take it away thank you it is impossible to pretend that you are not heir to and therefore however inadequately or unwillingly responsible to and for the time and place that give you life james baldwin continued We each come into this life to learn, relearn, or unlearn something we need to know. As difficult as it may be to accept, we choose the exact circumstances into which we are born. Whether it is poverty, abandonment, abuse, rejection, or disease, our deepest self knows the lessons we must learn. Our mind chooses the path. Life's lessons are few. Peace, freedom, strength, justice, faith, and love. All the answers you need are buried within you. For just a moment, let go of the anger, fear, guilt, shame, and blame. Focus all of your attention on the center of your being and ask yourself, what is it that I must learn? The more often you ask, the more sincere you are to know, the faster your answers will come. Mm-hmm. And a friendly reminder, I am willing to take full responsibility for me. And that is this week's devotional. And with Amen. that being said, we'll get into this week's podcast, guys. That was great. Yes. So this week's guest is an award-winning marketer, instructor, and multimedia journalist. He's crafted content and campaigns for brands like Beast by Dre, Honda, Wells Fargo, Google, a lot to name. He has a list, you know, the list goes on and on. He's currently a Forbes columnist covering disruptive entrepreneurs and startups. Prior to highlighting entrepreneurs, his Forbes column, The Code, covered the bigots, names, and news across music, media, and entertainment. He is also a Beast by Dre columnist with his corner office. Office series covering business leaders at the intersection of music, lifestyle, and technology. He carries years of experience as an instructor for Media Bistro, and he has been a speaker at CES, VidCon, Social Media Week, A3C, MegaFest, UCLA. The list goes on and on and on and on. He's book blessed and busy, as Kayla Walker would say. Mm-hmm. It's a pleasure to welcome to the Fearless Kia Thank podcast, so Julian Mitchell. Yo, yo, yo. What's up, Kia? Y'all don't know how, how many takes we took to get here. It only took a couple, <laughs> but we made it. Perfectionist, right? He's like, uh-uh, yeah. we got to do that again. Uh-uh. I just want you to win. I want it to be yes, the best yes, reflection. Yes, I need that. I need that. Absolutely. I need that. Thank you for the very humbling, nice introduction. Mm-hmm. I appreciate that. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm so happy you were able to make it onto the podcast. I know you have a really busy schedule. Like, when I was trying to book Julian, I just want to let y'all know, anybody that's trying to book Julian, his schedule is booked. Okay? He's like, I have this day. And I was like, we're going to make it work. I was flexible. I tried to give you some flexibility in those days. I had, like, two days. Yeah. I, but I made sure we made it work. I'm like busy, busy for real too. Like, yeah, you are. People be saying they busy, but like, I don't say it to sound extra when people ask me. Is I actually have a lot going on, so no, I, appreci- I, I appreciate you. people who you know can respect that and make the time for it. I want to make the time for those people. Oh, yeah, I'm so happy you were able to come. Mm-hmm. So I usually like to start out the podcast and What's ask up? my guest what is their deepest fear. Um, my deepest fear, 
I have two deep fears. Um, The first one would be I have a six-year-old son who's turning seven at the end of March, the end of this month. Um, Any harm happening to him is a deep fear of mine. I try not to even think about it, imagine it, um, because just the thought of that is very uh, heart wrenching. Mm -hmm. Um, The last one would be, I'd say, investing all of myself, my love, my time, my energy into the wrong person. Mm. Um, That to me is a deep fear of mine to go into a life partnership with the wrong partner or the wrong person and give all of myself to somebody who uh, takes it for granted or mistreats it or puts me in a space where that investment um, has no return. Was there any like triggering moments that developed uh, either one of your fears um, or was it more so Mm. stepping into fatherhood or stepping out of some relationships that gave you that perspective or developed that fear for you? Yeah, I think it's both. Uh, When it when it comes to my son more so, it's the natural, deep rooted love and um, just a sense of. Uh, protection that Mm -hmm. you have for your child Um, you know when you see how happy they are how full of life they are and how connected you are to them and you love them literally the thought of them being harmed or hurt or taken or Mm. you know what I'm saying like or the things that are out of your control people are crazy nowadays what can happen at school what can happen so the thought of those things and knowing that those things are real in the yeah. world um, can make you a little uneasy or um, unsettled in that regard. So it, it awakens that fear because you see the stories of people it does happen to and you mm-hmm. see how heartbreaking it is for yeah. somebody to like lose a child. So that to me just naturally is a fear. And then when it comes to relationships, I mean, I've had experiences where I've invested and given myself um you know, to people and it hasn't been either reciprocated or appreciated or um, added on to, you Mm -hmm. know what I'm saying? And so to think, to give that, and it happens, like that's a part of love and life and relationships and growing. But when you think about making that investment in a life partnership, you know what I'm saying? And then to think that uh, more so that person or that situation um, could be could turn out to not be what you feel like it is or a lie or something different or be betrayed in that. You know, it's just one of those types of things where when you think about it, um, because I have, to answer your question, been in situations where it took a long time to reveal what it really was Yeah. after having a long time of it feeling like everything it was supposed to be. And so the idea of that to me is something that I wouldn't want to do. Do you feel like... If that makes sense. I guess my question, I was going to ask you, do you feel like... But yeah. how do you have discernment in picking or selecting or choosing mm-hmm. um, a person who was there for you, for you at the core versus right. the claim and, you know, the notoriety for who you are in the public space? Yeah. I denied that for a long time. Like, I, I know, used, and I try to tell you. I used to deny that for man. I remember my my first girlfriend in college used to tell me back in college, like 
so many of these girls she used to say groupies and all that back then she used to be like so many of these uh girls these women they just like the idea of you they just like you know who they perceive you to be and the Mm -hmm. energy you carry and these things she was like they don't know you like so never forget that there are going to be so many people men and women but especially women in your life that fall in love with the idea of you not who you are and you always have to know the difference and i feel like i've experienced that a lot and i used to deny it just because before i matured in it i used to hate being qualified by what i do Mm. or the spaces that i was in because that to me has never defined me it's always been the other way around Mm -hmm. i've always felt like i as julian and in my growth and in everything i'm passionate about and the purpose and stuff that i have what i did was always the platforms or the means to express myself or express what i wanted to give the world or a vision that i had um, I've never felt industry, you know what I'm saying? I've mm-hmm. never felt Hollywood. I've never felt any of that. Even feeling like I'm the best in the world at what I do. I've never felt like, you know, I'm Hollywood or a part of that whole thing. I never felt like that made me cool. I always felt like I was cool and I didn't need all of that. So, and I used to think the allure and stuff of that was very corny and people being attracted to that to me made me turned off. So I didn't like that for so long. So I think to answer your question and just bring it full circle, the discernment for me comes from a couple of things one uh what are the questions and conversations that we're having right right like what is it that you actually want to know about me what are you actually curious about what conversations are we having um i think at the same time too it comes down to being aligned in your own spirit right to where if you believe in the law of attraction if you feel aligned and still and aware and tuned in, then you're going to attract just like a job, just like everything else. The things that come into your ecosystem are going to reflect the energy you're giving off. It's going to reflect where you are. So you can tell if a woman, if a relationship has the same frequency as the wavelength that you are on, you know, when it's different, you know, when it's not that, So I feel like you trust that. But then at the same time, you also have to factor in the fact of you can connect in that space. You can build with somebody in that space. But then there's a growth and evolution that happens on both parties. Yeah. That happens after that. So it could start out like I've been in situations where it starts out very organic and starts out very natural. Mm -hmm. And then as you get to know each other. Or to your point of what I do and things like that, as people see how real it is and they see the the people or the spaces or the lifestyle, the way I move around, then they can start to change. Whether it's like they start to feel like I'm different just because of what they're exposed to, not realizing I'm the same person, or they feel like it's... Um, you know, if there, that's why it's hard also to talk to people who are in the same space because, you know, I've had women that all of a sudden they need, they want to be invited to all the events, they want to go to all the places, they want to do all the things. When it didn't start that way, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> um, you know, it's just, it's just things like that. So I think it's also the awareness to see how things evolve and grow over time to allow you to still know 
that it may have started in a good place, but you need to cut it off or you need to dead it or you need to move away from it. Well, do you so feel like they, the spaces. I do I do understand the spaces and I do. Because now I'm super aware of the opportunists and, <laughs> and, and the come up queens, as I call them. Like I can smell it a mile away. I, I like feel it. So the energy um, now, right? I just know. Yeah. And it's just, you know, it's a red flag. Red flag. But do you feel mm-hmm. like at the times where you were in those experiences that um, because you're always working events, you know what I'm saying? You're always like working or invited to events when it comes right. to work that mm-hmm. y- you have to understand, too, from a person who is dating you or get, trying to get to know you for you. Those right. are the ones that are really trying to get to know you. I don't know the percentage of that but the ones that are really trying to do that they may feel like well if the only time that I can see you is by being with you in these spaces because you are also as we mentioned earlier a father yes time too do you feel like I'm just saying I'm just saying that no I say it I'm gonna be honest that maybe that oh being invited or being in that space is more of a way for them to just be in your presence and see you do what you do because they are trying to date you for you and understanding that this is a part of dating you it's not just what they're saying you know when you show them on the the first you know the beginning of Of how you met that's still a very real thing and so that attention or that time that you may have given them straight up ain't gonna be reality long term because this is I completely agree I completely agree like um, there are events and things when I've when I've been dating that you know women come to it's more of what is your intent mm. what is your thought process what are you expecting from me in those spaces what do you feel like is respectful and disrespectful in those spaces I think when you get into the details of that that's when you realize what you're really dealing with with somebody. Yeah. It's one thing to say, yo, I understand this is your lifestyle. You may or may not be in the same space. Yo, I understand this is what you do. You you moderate panels. You talk in front of hundreds of people. You do conferences and festivals and things like that. And it's something you love to do that you're passionate about and you're great at it. So that's going to be a part of your life. So I want to come into that world and experience that. Now, it's one thing to come into that and say, number one, I'm here to support you because I know this is your thing. So I'm coming to be somebody who's going to observe and watch and encourage and support and reinforce all of that. And then to say, I'm also going to soak in the experience because that may not be your world normally. So you want to see what it's like. You want to understand it, whatever. It's another thing to come into it and say, you need to be on my hip because you want to meet. different people or you know you uh you know need extra validation or attention because there's other women in the room right or you need an announcement that we're talking or or dating or whatever just to make that clear because these spaces you feel like i'm gonna be in these spaces so people need to know or you feeling like it's a part of your come up. So how do you get involved? Like you need to produce or you need to do this or you need to do that. Like, I just think it comes down to what the intent is behind why she feels like she needs to, or wants to come and be involved. Cause I've seen it all. (laughs) I believe it. I really do believe it. So Mm -hmm. that makes you more 
guarded or just more observant or more protective mm-hmm. of who you allow in your space. Correct. I think generally, all things considered, being what I do, being the person that I am, being a father, being um, someone who genuinely does not care about the industry in that respect. Like, yes, it makes me more aware, more attentive, more protective, more discerning, um, and quite frankly, more intolerant of a lot. Yeah. Um, And I'm unapologetic about that. Um, So, yeah, it it makes me more that way. Um, And I'd say when it comes to dating in particular, um, it makes me very much. um, It's gotten to a point where I'm more and more uh, observant and slower to really. go there with somebody and open myself up like i'll be transparent i'll you know talk and and vibe and all of that but i'm really paying attention like i'm really like reading somebody's vibe to know like what are we really doing how does this really feel type thing you know what i'm saying Mm -hmm. like um and so to to me it makes me more of those things because i'm protective of it all like if i'm taking somebody serious that means there's a world of my son, like my as a father that they're exposed to, and all those things that come with that in my life too i've I've realized that I had to be more protective of my lifestyle, yeah, because like you freely think, oh, that's your lifestyle, so people who come into your life you know have to fit in or be a part of that, and it's mm-hmm. like that's not true um like just because you're talking to somebody you're dating somebody you bring somebody in your world doesn't mean you need to give them access to your world you know what i'm saying a word you know even no matter how much you like them no matter how much you so it's like you have to keep certain private things private to yourself in your world until somebody has earned or deserve the right to like have that a new access level of like yeah wealth that a lot of people ain't gonna reach and you like, can never take access for granted no yeah so when you get it you better cherish it because got to that shit will get cut off real quick well because people will take it for granted because when you freely give them access they feel to entitled. it exactly boom they feel entitled to it they don't know what the stakes are they don't know what you have to do to get there they don't know how you earned it they don't know how much how much it means to you they don't know any of that they just stepping into your space yeah yeah and so i know you mentioned um fatherhood and that you're more protective because you are a father you do yes. have a child and that is something that you have to introduce someone to mm-hmm. speaking of fatherhood what has fatherhood taught you about yourself as a man, as man. a person, as a person, not even just a man, as a person? Fatherhood has taught me so much since the day I found out I was going to be a father to now. I mean, you know, it's taught me how important it is to set the example. Yeah. Um. You know, I grew up without my father um, and my mother, both. Um, And it taught me how important it is to be the person 
that you would want your child to be proud of. Mm-hmm. You know, like I, I thought about, you know, you think about what am I going to try to instill in my child? Like, what do I want to try to teach them? And I thought about certain things like, you know, based on my experience and how I look at it, I want them to have values like, you know, honesty, loyalty, like respect, like love and respect. That's something I tell my son all the time. Like life is governed by two things, love and respect. Um, Go after your dreams. Go after your purpose. Be driven by purpose. Know that nothing's out of reach. You can have anything. You can access anything. Like you are enough. You are powerful. You are all these things that I tell him. And I think about it through the lens of if he were to turn around and ask me the same questions or look at me the same way and say, well, were you passionate? Did you follow your dreams? Did you feel fearless? Like, what did you do? What did you create? Did Did you stand on these same principles? I've always wanted to be proud in my answer to him and Mm -hmm. proud in that example. Right. Yeah. So it taught me how important it is to lead by example. It also has taught me that so much of life is not about um, making things the way you want them to be. It's really about having just the right intention and the right uh, values and principles and being uh, accepting of yourself and everything that comes with that versus feeling like you need to be perfect or you need to be right. It taught me that like perfection is just truth, like mm. absolute truth. There is no perfect. So you have to stand in truth and you have to live in truth and you have to operate in those spaces. And if you are confused or in certain spaces, you have to do the work to find what the truth is like for yourself. Mm. Um, And fatherhood has definitely taught me that Um, because, you know, when you're raising a child, you think like, what's the right way to do it? You know what I'm saying? Like, what's the right way I need to do this? And this is And you realize that so much of fatherhood or parenting in general is instilling principle, not trying to make a child a certain way, not trying. You know what I'm saying? It's more about they're going to be their own person. So have you equipped them with the love and the values and things they need to make their own decisions and make smart decisions and love themselves and care about themselves and know that they are loved and respected? You know what I'm saying? And allow them to stand in truth again, because you understand what truth is. So you just want your child to embrace and have a relationship with truth yeah. to where at every stage of their life as they're growing, they are on a mission to define what their truth is and be confident and bold enough to live in it. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. And know that they have a parent or parents that love them in their truth. You know what I'm saying? So, to me, it's taught me that my child and I are on journeys through our lives. And yeah. I think as kids, we forget that about our parents, that exactly. they were once young and they're on the same path and they're growing and evolving. and they're trying to make the best decisions that they can. So I think in reverse, as a father, looking back on that and seeing the mistakes that my parents made, I look at it like. Did you ever forgive them? It's all them? on that on that route. Who my parents? Did you ever forgive your parents? Mm-hmm. And through that, did you feel like that was 
what you needed in order to be or to define what type of parent you wanted to be for your child? Um, I did forgive my parents. Mm -hmm. um, And I went through a lot, like, subconsciously and and not even knowing that I I had a lot of trauma for a long time. Um, and had to do the work to get there. So even when I, I say that to say there was a point in my 20s where I felt like I had accepted it and I was over it and then got confronted with it again mm. and realized how much work I still had to do. Yeah. Um, and had to do that to be able to even forgive them and accept that, you know, this is something that, again, when they were in that space, like my age and younger. Yeah. They were faced with certain cars and certain things in their life and they had their own trauma and their own, you know, what I'm saying things they were dealing with and they made decisions and they had to live with the consequences of those decisions. And unfortunately, we were my my brother and my sister, we had to be impacted by those decisions decisions. and like, you know, make the most of it. So, yes, I forgave them. I don't think. I don't think that forgiveness was required for me okay. to be the parent that I am and the parent that I aspire to be only because even before forgiving them, I had already had to accept that they were who they were mm-hmm. and that my life had to still be the way like I and and God, the universe, the way it was destined to be with or without them changing, with or without there being uh, like a moment of closure, clarity, like I had to accept that. And because before that, you're spending this time speculating and wondering, like, will they come around? Can they change? Will you? You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. It's like this floating space. And I feel like at a certain point, you have to accept that that just may be who they are. And. As a father, um, it's more of I'm responsible for this. Like, I brought this child into this world. Um, This is about lineage and legacy. And for me, being the first one to, like, now create that again, because what came before me was, like, shattered and gone. Yeah. I already had in my mind, like, when that time comes, I'm going to have to own that and be responsible for that and do whatever is necessary to grow to be able to be responsible with that speaking of responsibility yeah which uh, is a real thing it's very a very real thing, real thing. Mm-hmm. but speaking of responsibility um yeah. i know and this is not in, in the, re- the reason which why is hard <laughs> by the way fatherhood is tough it, I believe it. I mm-hmm. believe it. Um, especially um, your co-parenting as well. You know, yeah, exactly. Process as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but speaking of responsibility uh, with yourself, first and foremost. Yeah. Um, last year, you experienced a life-changing uh, um, moment, I guess to say, when it came to your health. Yeah, that was over a year ago, but yeah. Uh, about a year mm-hmm. ago. Um, mm-hmm. See, I'm very much. Dates. Yeah, it was over a year ago, almost gonna, two years ago, but yeah. We're going to put that to the wine. We're going to put that to the wine. No, it's okay. You know I, get I get the point. <laughs> we're going to the No, it's very serious, though. Yeah, but a very serious incident mm-hmm. and a responsibility. But I'm bringing that up because um, I wanted you to touch upon um, 
you were talking about responsibility as a parent, right, and being right. that role model. And so having that experience, um, what did that teach you about yourself? And, and I want you to kind of expound upon that experience if of you're course. okay with expounding upon No, I have no problem. But tell us about the experience, what that experience awakened in you. Greatest uh, learning lesson of my life. The what? That was a great, like, what yeah. came out of that was the biggest learning lesson yeah. of my life. And, yeah. and what that biggest learning lesson was, I would love to delve into that a little bit. Yeah, so almost two years ago, um, I had two seizures back to back. I had what they call focal seizures, which is where your eyes work, basically. So you can see out your eyes, but you're no other part of your body function. So you can't talk, you can't move your jaw, like you can't feel your limbs or anything you're having mm-hmm. a seizure and you're just watching it and you're mm-hmm. you're seeing even how people respond to it which is really scary and, yeah. and really like freaky because you can't respond you're just seeing it with your eyes um but yeah i was i was out felt regular um i was in a space of going back between la and new york almost like every two weeks mm-hmm. i was traveling a lot i wasn't sleeping i was working all night i was eating crazy i just wasn't taking care of myself um which was a facade to me because i felt like oh you know like i look good uh my bills are paid like i'm doing my thing whatever whatever so it's like you got this false sense of health just because you feel successful that makes sense julian swear he look good it's like no i'm joking (laughs) no i'm just saying i was like you know i was just like I don't feel like anything's wrong. Wrong, right. Like nothing is wrong right nothing now. Nothing was off. Nothing felt off. Yeah. Um, and so I didn't feel like any alarms. You know mm. what I'm saying? I didn't feel any triggers. I just was like, this is what I do. Like, I put in this work. I work all these crazy hours. Like, this is what I do. And uh, I remember going to leave and the the process started. Like, when you have a focal seizure, it goes through stages. Mm. So you go through a stage of basically like, you see these little flickers, like mm. almost like these little like flashes. And then you go from seeing these flashes to your you start to feel lightheaded. And then from lightheaded, your stomach starts to feel like it's turning like like uh, like, mm. you know, like you got to throw up. But then you go from that to all of a sudden your body starts to go in shock and you feel yourself. It's almost like gravity's pulling you to the ground mm. and you're and then your body's shaking because it's in shock. Right. So. I went through that whole process um, twice, twice, back to back. Um, and it was really scary. Like I said, luckily they called the paramedics after the first one because they were able to give me water and kind of get me back to being like responsive. But then once that happened, boom, it happened again. I was on the ground. And the paramedic basically told me, he was like, they had to give me all these vitamins yeah. and stuff. And he basically told me like, man, you know what it's like when a car doesn't turn over, like when the engine is dead. Yeah. The car is, he was like, literally, that's what happened. And he's like, your your eyes being able to see is like the flicker. Like when you try to turn, turn it on yeah. and your light just goes. But he's like, but your body is dead. Like your your body is like an engine that's dead. Um, and he was like, you're lucky that it wasn't more severe. Um, and what comes out of that is basically it's a result of extreme dehydration. Mm. Um, very low uh, levels of oxygen in your blood, like your circulation is really bad. 
um you lack a lot of iron like i was my iron levels were terrible mm. my blood sugar levels were terrible there were just so many things wrong with that um you know like exhausted like the strain and stress on my eyes on everything from just being up all the time um so he was like yo you gonna have to change your life or if this happens again it could be like severe you know what i'm saying yeah and so what happened coming out of that it scared the shit out of me and what happened coming out of that was i got so scared that i did the extremes right so i was like eating even more because i'm like my my vitamin levels aren't right you know what i'm saying and my iron levels are right right so then i started eating crazy and then i'm like it just scared me right to the point where that made me even more unhealthy and i gained 35 pounds mm. yeah almost 40 pounds and uh it was the first time in my life too where i felt unhealthy the first time mm. uh, like my confidence was shot my spark was gone. I was very self-conscious. My clothes didn't fit. I was buying clothes that were way bigger. Like everything about it just I felt sloppy. I felt like I couldn't move. It was just it was horrible. And I remember my brother being like, "Yo, you look crazy." Like, wow. "You look crazy. Like, yo, you got to do something." And he put me on the scale and I was 213. I I'm cannot, only 5 foot 9. I'm about to say I cannot imagine seeing you at 230 i couldn't either i couldn't either it was crazy i've never been out of shape in my life i've never been like that was the first time i've always been athletic i've always been you know what i'm saying so i remember in that moment feeling like like horrible and thinking to myself how in the world am i gonna bounce back from this mm. like you know, because in that moment, you're like, yo, it could t I don't know how many days it could take. I don't know how many hours it could take. I don't know how many days in the gym is going to record. You know what I'm saying? You just are like, right. yo, I got to change like, this. But to get to the lesson in that, so the first thing I tried to do was work out. And what I quickly realized when I went to the gym was, yo, if your lifestyle doesn't change, then you will never be healthy. Talk about it. So... I decided that I needed to make very definitive lifestyle changes and then allow the physical part of my health to catch up, mm. right? So what I did was I would just put on sweats and run every morning because I was like, I need to get my circulation up, my blood. That's what they said. So I'm going to use cardio as a way to like burn fat, but yeah. also get my blood back up. And then I read about how walking, which I like to walk anyway, is a great way to get your blood circulation and your, you know, your joints and everything back moving. Yeah. So I started walking like miles up to 10 miles a day. I started walking. Then I cut alcohol for a year. I didn't drink at all because part of my dehydration was the fact that I was drinking a lot, too. Yeah. I'm yeah and i didn't even realize i had a drinking problem i will say that like i had a drinking problem it's new and i mean you live in a city and you work in an industry where there's always an open bar literally literally it's like that's why i cut out drinking the first half of the year which i'm off i'm off schedule right now <laughs> but for a right a reason just a little glass of wine for, for the right, right reason reasons. you yeah. know new new beginnings mm -hmm. new cities why mm -hmm. not but mm -hmm. you know i try to do that because i'm like yo I'm drinking so much yeah. all year long that, like, I can sacrifice the first half and then, all right, we figure it out the second half. But, like, you're in that industry, so you really have to re – it requires mm -hmm. self-discipline. So much because it's not normal. Like, the amount that I was drinking 
was a natural part of the lifestyle, but it's not normal and it's not healthy. Like people don't drink every day. You don't keep (laughs) drinks at your crib. You don't do, you know what I'm saying? So like, and then that adds on, it piles up over time. Like your body's not meant to just process it and deal with it. So if you're not taking care of your body on top of drinking all the time, it's not good for you. Um, and and at the same time, again, to lifestyle, I realized like I didn't like the person I was when I was drunk. Mm. I didn't like the way I thought. I don't mm. like I didn't like the moves I was making. I hated the feeling of like, what did I do? What did I say? Oh, this happened. Ooh. Like That's for real, so I hated real. It. that is so real. Like waking up and looking at your phone, like yo, yeah. like you know what I'm saying. So yeah. I hated that, and I felt like I had to get out of that. So cut alcohol. Um, and the lessons that came out of that to get into it, one is self-care is healthcare. Hello. Self-care is healthcare. Like you got to take care of yourself. That's the most important thing. Um, the other thing was that you have to design a career around your life, not a life around your career. Um, Come on. I realized that I had to focus on what made my life richer, healthier, more fulfilled. Um, and what was the gifts that kept giving yeah. in my life? For me, that's conversations, new experiences, new adventures, new challenges. Um, you know what I'm saying? Music, like concerts, games. Um, my son tremendously, like, just doing things with him, doing all these different things. So, family. So, I had to prioritize that, which led me to my third thing that I learned, which is that you are the work. Um, We talk about all the work we got to do and we're focused on this and this part of our career. Like you as a person are your first enterprise, your first business, your first startup, your first investment, your first responsibility. So you have to treat it that way. You have to treat yourself like my job is to live my life. That's my first job. My first full-time job is to live my life and live it in a way that is fulfilling and uh, evolving and one that's rooted in growth and, um, you know, being better daily. Um, So I realized that you are the work. And then the last thing is that that I learned is, you know, a healthy life starts with a healthy lifestyle. Yeah. Like we talk about what you eat and, you know, go to the gym every day. Nah, it's lifestyle. Like who are the people you're around? What are the environments that you're in? What are the things you're talking about? What are you exposed to? What are you inspired by? What are you motivated by? Like what are you prioritizing? What are you valuing? You know, like because for me, I had to start surrounding myself with people who wanted to be healthy Mm. like people who cared about their health and their lifestyle just as cool just as swaggy just as all of that but they cared like my boy kenji and sha and jason all these people who you know are into meditation we started meditating we had groups that we used the muse meditation band we drink kava and kratom instead of alcohol so we do organic roots and things like that we like eat the right things and all that so but we have great conversations and build each other up and challenge so you have that and then um you know just putting myself in different spaces even walking every day like that's like therapy to me you know what i'm saying that became a place where i could just clear my mind and feel connected to things yeah and, 
unplug. And so, uh, and then I lost the 35 pounds. Mm-hmm. Um, I got my skin back, got my glow back, got my spark back. You can't back. tell this man nothing. I'm going to tell y'all. I'm just saying, when he I came up in here, I was like, oh, look at you. You look nice. He was like, I mean, what are you saying? You act like I was never looking like this. I said, oh, excuse me. Yeah, you know. Excuse me. Nah, but, it, a- but it's true. Like, again, like I said, it's, it's true. Like, your lifestyle, man, is so important. I stopped going to the bodega to get sandwiches at three in the morning you know what i'm saying to get a chop cheese i stopped i stopped drinking multiple coffees and red bulls i stopped um you know i started drinking smoothies every day and shots like lemon ginger cayenne shots and drinking alkaline waters and um sleeping more and being more intentional with with like how I spent my time and who I spent it with and where I did. So it just changed my life. Like my lifestyle changed, which changed my life and made me healthier, happier, and more fulfilled. And then I realized that that's how you can live your life. Like you are allowed and empowered to design the life you want rooted in the things that matter the most to you. So you definitely knock on the fact that like you're living a more fulfilled life now. Mm, um and i wanted to ask you what experiences in life whether good or bad wouldn't mm-hmm. you trade for the world man there's so many <laughs> uh you ain't got going to all of them you can just like you know yeah no nah, i would i wouldn't trade which is gonna sound crazy but <laughs> like i wouldn't trade my grandmother passing away mm like because that sent a shift and sent my life on a path that that presented a lot of challenge and adversity but I literally would not be who I am without that period yeah so I feel like her passing away and then that introduced me to my mom that introduced me to Las Vegas that introduced me to all these different things, which led to me being adopted, which led to me being like independent and having to figure out my life and going on this path. Like none of that would have happened without literally without that moment. Right. Because before that, that's the only life I knew. Um, So I'd say I wouldn't trade that for the world. Although, of course, I wouldn't have wanted my grandmother to pass. Of course. But I I wouldn't trade that experience. Um, the Olympics carrying the torch. Yes. Uh, the Winter Olympics in South and South Korea wouldn't trade that for the world. Um, that's something that I didn't even dream of. As mm-hmm. much as I dream, I could have never saw myself carrying the Olympic torch. So yeah. I wouldn't trade that. Um, I wouldn't trade having my son like the day he was born. I remember what it felt like holding him in my arms for the first time, and um, I would never trade that for the world. Um, I also wouldn't trade hmm. Yeah, that very so you know, you don't have to, no, you don't have to have every Yeah. You don't have to use every moment, specific. but I think those are there were a lot of them. great moments to mm-hmm. even highlight or knock um, you know, mention. Uh and I also wanted to chat with you, even yeah. with those moments, there's a mantra that you keep with you. Um, that's always on you, that's imprinted on you, um, yes. which is God over everything. And what has your faith or how has your faith guided you through um, your journey man, of this thing man, called man, life? Man. 
See, that's another moment I wouldn't trade either. The last one I would say that segues into that answer. Like, I wouldn't trade the moment that I hit, like, rock, rock bottom. When I when I came back to L.A. from New York the first time and hit, like, the lowest, lowest point, that was literally a moment where I made a, a promise to God that I would not quit, no mm. matter how hard it got. And literally from that moment on, God has, I've honored my part of the promise and God has honored uh, her part of the promise. Um, you notice I said God is her because God is a woman. Um, so that was a moment for me that I would never trade. I remember it so vividly and I remember definitively like the shift that happened after that. Um, my faith for me has literally been everything, man. Like, you know, I got GOE tatted on me, God over everything, 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, the crazy thing is the moment I got it. So I had uh, two friends who were best friends. They were best friends and they died not too long um, mm. apart from each other. And uh, there was there's a song um, by Dorinda Clark Cole called I'm Still Here. Mm. and it's by the grace of God. So the fern of my neck means by God's grace. Um, And it's a song that I play all the time. Every time I play it, like when the holidays came, New Year's came, I played it, I cry every time. Like it it brings tears to my eyes every single time. Um, But it's I'm Still Here, it's by the grace of God. I always play the live version of it. And um, I remember when they both passed away, and I was already in a really uh, challenging point of my life in college at that time. And I remember uh, I was writing the letter to the judge Mm. and uh, I had that video playing and I was thinking to myself, like of all the things that I've been through, of everything I've seen in my life, of all the moments where I could have been dead and gone or locked up or, you know, I'm saying never in the position that I was in and I'm seeing people around me pass or go away you know what i'm saying i'm just seeing so much happen and i'm like why am i still here mm. like why am i the one that made it through all of that and as i'm playing that it's i'm still here and it's by the grace of god so it was and i had been seeing the fern by god's grace and it represented like the 40 days 40 nights like as long as you keep the fern the spirit you'll survive no matter how hard the hardship is mm. And God over everything was something I already was saying and and believed and championed. So it came to me like, okay, you literally are here and it's by God's grace. And as long as you understand that God's grace is covering you and God is always over you and over everything and that, you know, as long as you believe and have that faith, there's nothing you won't overcome. There's like no challenge too hard. There's no obstacle you know, too difficult for you. Um, Faith over fear. So, faith over fear. Yeah, so I went and got it. And mm-hmm. uh, yeah, my faith has been big for me. Like, I just believe in a way that is not logical. It's not rational. It's not, um, you know, any of those things. I've just always bet on belief and bet on my faith and, you know, made decisions based on what I truly believed and felt in my soul and my spirit. Um, more than anything else. Like I go there first, you know, I communicate spiritual first 
energy first. Like that's just the world that I operate in because I understand that that's the real plane that we're on. That's the real frequency that we're on. So, you know, faith has been the backbone, the, you know, driving force of everything that I've done. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, I like to wrap up the episode. Mm. I hope this was an interesting episode. You don't yeah. you don't feel like it was a good episode? You're saying I hope it was I mean, for other people. You hope like, you know for other people listening, you know. Of course it was an interesting episode. They yeah. don't know this part of you, Julian. You don't show this part. You don't talk about this part, you know? Yeah. I do talk and about G O E a lot though. You talk yeah. about G O E. But we talked about more than G O E on here. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying. People rarely ask me about fatherhood, so it's good to talk about that because I take that very uh, seriously. And I think there's a lot people could learn about fatherhood for sure. I so, guess yeah, I got this type of approval from Julian that I asked fearless a P- good content question for the show that mm-hmm. he hasn't answered before. Yeah. Like how to make co-parenting work, how to do this. Like I got answers. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, go ahead. <laughs> um. Well, I like to wrap the episode up and just ask, like, what are your, like, guiding principles of just, like, trying to or working towards living a fearless life? Yes. Be anxious for nothing. Um, Be anxious for nothing is a mantra that I live by, same as God over everything. It basically means, you know trusting that all things are working together for the greater good Mm -hmm. so you have to let the process happen you have to be still in moments where you want to be anxious or be like on edge you have to understand and take a step back and realize that everything is in motion so other things are at play so you have to allow the play to develop and just do what you feel like you need to do in those moments but don't be anxious or on edge or feel like you have to make impulsive, you know, yeah. decisions or moves because that's how we mess things up. Um, and then one other one. I'd say be anxious for nothing. Um, or if that's it, you know, we can go with be anxious for nothing because I feel like that's a word, a message in a, yeah. in a verse. Okay. Yeah. Be anxious. Be anxious for nothing is absolutely. That's it. A big one for me. Yeah. That's it. Well, I uh, love to call and get paid to be yourself. Of oh course. yeah, of course, get paid to be yourself. Yeah. Um, I like to close out the episode by first thanking you so much for joining me on the podcast. Like, I understand you are busy. It is a humble pleasure and privilege. Um, and I also, as one of the things that I like to do on my show, is end What's off this show with quotes. Okay. That relate to my guess's fear. So because you had two. Okay. I had two. I have two quotes. Drop and I hope me. that they do it justice. And okay. if not, I know you're going to fry me after we get off this podcast. Nah, but um, these out. are the two quotes that I have before we close out today's episode. The hardest part of being a parent is that you can't stop the world from hurting your child. You can only be there to ease the pain. That's the first quote. I like that. Anonymous. I really like that. The second one is by uh, Robin Williams. Okay. I used to think that the worst thing in life is to end up all alone. It's not. The worst thing in life is to end up with people that make you feel all alone. Hmm. 
I like both of those a lot. Boss. Can you send those to me? Yes, quotes. Please do. Mm. And on that note, guys, I wish you nothing but love, life, and many blessings. I hope this week's episode inspire you as you go into your weekend. It's your girl, Fearless Kia and Julian. We are. And we are out.